Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's promise to Abram as we pick up in Genesis chapter 15, verse 12. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Now, they shall afflict them 400 years does not necessarily imply that they would be 400 years in Egypt. It is, God is telling them they're going to go down into a strange land. They're going to go down to the land of Egypt, but they will be afflicted 400 years. Now, whether or not the, in Galatians, the third chapter tells us that the 400 years, which is a round figure, 430 years from the time that God made this promise to Abraham, it was 430 years from this time, unto the uh, Mount Sinai, to their coming out of Egypt, which meant that the sojourn, which was for four generations in Egypt, was not a 400-year sojourn in Egypt, but about a 215-year sojourn in Egypt, but they were to be afflicted by the people round about them until God would bring them out and bring them into their own land and they would have their own place to dwell. And so uh, rather than a 430-year sojourn in Egypt, total time in Egypt, it was from the time that the covenant was made with Abraham here at this time. So it makes the Egypt sojourn only about 215 years, four generations. And also that nation whom they shall serve that is Egypt, will I judge. And afterward, they will come out with great substance. Now, here's interesting prophecy because they did go down to Egypt. God did judge Egypt. When they came out of Egypt, they they really looted the Egyptians. They came out with great substance. They borrowed all the jewelry and all from from their masters in Egypt, and then they took off, which was really sort of back payment for their slavery. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, that is, having gone down into Egypt, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, uh, the area where they were living, it it was not yet full. The iniquity, it wasn't to be fully judged yet. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river to the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kezites, the the Kadmonites, and the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Riphims, the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergeshites and the Jebusites. Now, they never did conquer this much land. God promised to Abram and to his seed the land all the way to the Nile River, to the Euphrates River, and uh, to the Mediterranean. So a much broader area than what they have ever captured. Now, this was a very interesting and strange experience. Uh, These carcasses driving off the birds, uh, the, the prophecy of the Lord, of, of the 
the horror of the great darkness, which was the time that, they were, that his descendants would be the slaves in Egypt, and uh, then the, the smoking furnace, the burning lamp that passed between those pieces, and the covenant of the Lord with Abram. It's a very interesting chapter that uh, is deserving much study. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, to go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. It was a mistake. Uh, not always is it a mistake to hearken unto your voice your wife, but this is the second time it speaks of a man hearkening to the voice of his wife, and both of them at this point were mistakes. Now, there will be other times when God will say, listen to Sarah and uh, hearken unto the voice of Sarah, thy wife. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So Abram was 85 years old. And he gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, uh, she began to despise uh, Sarai. The barrenness, you know, you can always say, well, maybe the husband is, uh, is unable to have children. Maybe there's something defective with him. But when Hagar conceives so readily, obviously now it is Sarah who is barren, the curse of barrenness in that culture. And so Hagar uh, despised Sarai. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And the Lord's judge between me and thee. Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, the maid is in your hand. Do to her whatever you please. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water. The angel of Jehovah found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. Hagar was running back to Egypt. She was getting out of there and going to go back home. But man, to get back home, she had to go through that horrible wilderness area. She surely would have perished in trying to return to Egypt. And so she was by this fountain of water. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where'd you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the face of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. Now, she actually had, dis she was in wrong in despising Sarai. And the Lord is telling her now to return and submit. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child. Thou shalt bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael, which means God shall hear. And because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. So she was probably crying there by the fountain. And God heard her cry. And he said, Call your son Ishmael which means the Lord will hear, or God will hear. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he will dwell in the presence of all his brothers. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her, Thou God seest me. And so she said, Have I also here looked after him? that seeth me. Wherefore, the well is called Berlaheroi, 
which is between Kadesh and Barad. So she had made a pretty good way down into the desert, the Sinai there, going near Kadesh. The name of the well is the well of him that lives and sees me. Bir Laheroi. Bir is well, uh, the well of him that lives and sees me. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called the son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now when Abram was 99 years old, so this is another 13 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God, El Shaddai. So here is the first use of the term Almighty God, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now, we passed over the uh, 16th chapter, but let me point out that at this point, Abram and Sarah were trying to help God out. God promised he's going to bless Abram, make his seed like the stars of the heaven, can't count them. And so Sarah comes with an alternate plan. Hey, Abram, I, you know, it looks like we're not going to make it. I'm getting so old, and all, why don't you just take my handmaid at this point and, you know, raise up a son through her and all. And, and it was really a lapse of faith in the promise of God. So Abram's faith was not a perfect faith. It, it wasn't a, he wasn't a perfect man. His faith wasn't complete. So don't worry if your faith is not complete. Don't let Satan hassle you. It's believing in Jesus Christ is really the important thing. I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be the father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be called any more Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, rather than high father, father of many nations, Abraham. For the father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God is now repeating the promise of, of giving him a, a large number of descendants and of giving to them this land forever. It's theirs. It belongs to them. And God said unto Abram, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between you and me. And thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised. And so here's where God established the rite of circumcision, which became, of course, the most important rite as far as the Jews were concerned. It is a badge and a mark of a people that have been separated unto God. And the spiritual significance is that of people who have cut off the fleshly life and are living after the Spirit. Now, they made the mistake, as people so often do concerning rituals, as identifying the ritual for the reality. The reality is a matter of heart. 
God wanted a people that were separated from their flesh in their heart. People who were spiritual and spiritually minded, who would serve God in the spirit. It was to be symbolized by the cutting away of the flesh. But it was really a, a spiritual thing that God was seeking, people who would cut away the fleshly mind, and the fleshly heart, and would serve God in the spirit. But they began to identify the physical right for the reality of the experience of the heart and thus made the physical right totally meaningless. So if you would go through the rite of circumcision and yet still within your heart were living after the flesh, walking after the flesh, the fact that you'd gone through the rite meant nothing. Now if you had gone through the cutting away of the flesh and the heart, then again the rite meant nothing. For God was really searching for the heart. And, and the work in the heart. Same with baptism in the church. For many, it's become a meaningless rite. They, they think, well, the important thing is go down and be baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Not that that is the washing away of the filth of the flesh. You can go down and be baptized a dozen times and not be saved. The rite of baptism doesn't save. It's the inward work of the Spirit within your heart that really counts. And so here God established an outward rite, which was to speak of an inward experience, the cutting away of the fleshly heart, the heart after the flesh, and, and it was to be, and God desired the people whose heart was after the spirit and after him. And so here is where the rite was established, and God ordered it for all of his children, all that were in his house, all of the servants, all of those that had been brought into the house of Abraham. It was something that was to be uh, done unto Abraham and to his descendants after him on the eighth day uh, of the male child. The rite of circumcision uh, was uh, to be fulfilled. And God said unto Abraham, verse 15, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. So a slight change in her name. The name Sarah means princess. That's a good name for a wife, fellas you might uh, start calling your wife Princess. It's a beautiful name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be of her. Now here's God saying, hey, I'm going to bless her. I'm going to make her the mother. And Abram fell on his face and he laughed. Now his was not a, a laugh of incredulity. His was a laugh of excitement. All right, you know, and it was just uh, laughter of joy for this promise of God. Now, later on, Sarah laughed, but hers was a laugh of incredulity. Ah, you know, me, an old woman. Shall I have the joy of bearing a child when I'm not? Oh, foolish. And she laughed because it seemed so incredulous. And so the Lord rebuked her. Why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. Yes, she did. So Abraham laughed out of, out of just the sheer joy of the whole thing. And, and she laughed because it seemed so incredulous. So it's only right that when the child is born that they should name him Laughter. Isaac. It means laughter. It's a very fitting name because they both laughed at the prospect of, in this age of life, having a son. And so... Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And so Sarah that is ninety years old bare. And Abraham said unto God, Now this is sort of a lapse of faith. 
Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. In other words, oh, God, forget it. You know, Sarah's 90 and I'm 100. Just don't. That's all right, Lord. Let Ishmael, 13 years old now, let him live before you. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So that Ishmael was not to be the recipient of this covenant and of the land, but rather Isaac. So in reality, the land does not belong to the Arabs by the covenant of God. It belongs with the descendants of Isaac. As for Ishmael, I've heard thee. You said that Ishmael lived before you? All right. I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time next year. And the Lord left off talking with him, and God went from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and they went ahead and followed the command of God uh, in the rite of circumcision. Abraham was 99 years old when they went through this rite. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And it can get awfully hot. And he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, there were three men who stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and he bowed himself down toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, Adonai, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant, that a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye in your hearts. And after that ye shall pass on, for therefore you are come to your servant, and they said, do so as you have said. So the Lord was coming with two angels passing through. Abraham ran out to meet them, showed really tremendous hospitality to them. Let me get some water, wash your feet. Let me get you something to eat. Rest a while under the tent. It's a hot part of the day. And then continue on your journey. In Hebrews, we are told to be careful to entertain strangers. We never know but what we might be entertaining angels unaware. Abram hastened to make into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make quickly three majors of fine meal and knead it and make some cakes upon the hearth, some good old pita bread. And Abram ran unto the herd and he fetched a calf that was tender and good and he gave it to the young man and hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which they had dressed and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Now, here's an interesting thing to me. He gave them butter and milk and meat. That's not kosher. Here's Abram, the father of Israel, not being kosher. Now, the kosher law of not having milk products with meat is not a proper interpretation of the scripture. It is one of those straining at a net things that the Pharisees loved to do. The law did declare, thou shalt not seethe a kid in its mother's milk. 
In other words, you're not to take a little goat and boil it in its mother's milk, cooking it in its own mother's milk. It was just you know, not a right thing to do. But the Jews have taken that as a kosher prohibition of having dairy products with meat products. Because you see, if you drink a glass of milk and you eat a steak, you don't know, but that steak may have come from the calf of the mother cow from whom you drank the milk, and in your stomach it's going to seethe in, in that milk. And so you're seething a kid in its mother's milk. And so to be careful that you don't do that, they'll not eat cheese or, or any dairy products with any meat products, unless the meat product be a fish. Kosher law. But it's a straining at things. It's, it's not what God intended at all. Here's Abram being very unkosher. And the angels were too because they ate it. <laughs> and they said unto him, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, She's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Turn with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 15 through 16 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you this week. May he watch over your lives and keep you in his love. May you abound in the love of Jesus Christ as God works in you his perfect work of love and grace. May God grant that you have just a special week of enjoying the goodness and the fullness of God in his love. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that he can use to accomplish his purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. 
He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.